This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, could Maryland and West Virginia both advance in their respective conference tournaments? No. The answer is no. We'll check out last night's action in high school hoops. Major League Baseball is testing out some more rules changes in the minor leagues, and I actually like a couple of them. Joe Shuda has another Rush Friday feature for us as he catches up with uh, me. It's another Ask Tony edition of the Friday feature that comes up in the 8 o'clock hour. All of that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush on this funky Friday. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day, wrapping up yet another essential work week. Several ways, as always, to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. Check out our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Leave me a message on any of those pages, a question, comment, opinion, whatever. Also, as always, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page. On the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. So just in case you miss something, you don't miss anything. You can go back and listen to uh, whatever, whenever. All right, lots to get to, so let's kick off today's show. We kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with college basketball, where West Virginia is one and done in the Big 12 tournament. Another nail-biter for Oklahoma State. Cowboys with the ball. Isaac Likely on the dribble. Top of the key to Caleb Boone. Left wing Avery Anderson. Strike to the rim. Layup. Good! The Cowboys take the lead. Anderson found a path to the basket. The call on Learfield IMG College, 72-69 the final. The Mountaineers lose to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 quarterfinals. Deuce McBride and Taz Sherman each had 19 points. For West Virginia, much more on this game later this hour. Elsewhere, Eric Ayala had 21 points to lead Maryland over Michigan State 68-57. In the second round of the Big Ten tournament, Aaron Wiggins had 19 points for the Terps, who will take on top-seeded Michigan today at 11.30. Last night in boys' high school basketball, Drew Keckley had 21 points to lead Hampshire over Frankfurt 45-38 in short gap. Jake Clark and Bryson Lane each had 10 points for Frankfurt, which fell to 0-3. Elsewhere, Trinity Christian got by Berkeley Springs 67-63, and Kaiser picked up its first win of the season 55-41 over Moorfield. On the girls' side, Petersburg beat Tucker County 57-44. It was Hedgesville over Berkeley Springs 54-40. And in a rather low-scoring affair, Pendleton County beat Pocahontas County 30 
225. Tonight in girls action, the Battle of Mineral County, the first of two this season, will go down in Kaiser as the Golden Tornado host Frankfurt and Petersburg is hosting Hampshire. And on the boys' slate, a light night, if you will, Tucker County is hosting Moorfield. On the ice last night, the Capitals had a, a couple milestone goals against the Flyers. Away now, right side, and here's Jacob Brada. Cuts in front of Gostas Baird, a shot, and Carlson scores! John Carlson puts it through Elliott. It's 3-1 Washington. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. John Carlson's goal gave him career point number 500 in Washington's 5-3 win in Philadelphia. Alex Ovechkin also scored to give him career goal number 715, leaving him two goals behind the great Phil Esposito for sixth on the all-time goals list. In Buffalo, Evgeny Malkin had a goal and assist as the Penguins beat the Sabres 5-2. Jake Gensel had the eventual game winner for the Pens, who have won four straight. In Major League Baseball, spring training action. Anthony Alford and Will Craig homered as the Pirates beat the Orioles 7-5. Ryan Mountcastle had a two-run double for the O's. And the Nationals and Marlins played to the ever-popular spring training 1-1 tie. In college football, yes, college football action last night. Frostburg State opened up its abbreviated spring season, which of course was postponed from the fall, with a 27-20 win over Wheeling at FSU. Chad Palmer threw for 138 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 43 yards and another score. And tonight in high school football, it's crazy, I know. At Greenway Avenue Stadium, Fort Hill is hosting Mountain Ridge. Kickoff is 5 o'clock. We'll have the game right here on this very station pregame around 4.45, uh, 4.50. And that is your very jam-packed Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. So let's dive right into it, shall we? A lot of college hoops to get to. It'll probably take up most of the first hour. And while we're talking about it, if you're a Maryland fan, if you're a West Virginia fan, or just a hoops fan in general, give us a call, 301-759-2628. How you feel about your team after yesterday? One <laughs> one fan base, obviously happier than the other. But we'll start with the happy fan base, right? Big, big, big win for Maryland yesterday over Michigan State in the 8-9 game in the Big Ten tourney. And look, we talked about this yesterday. Terps really needed that win coming off of two straight losses to Northwestern and Penn State. Really needed a win to kind of stay away from that NCAA bubble because they hadn't won since they since they last beat Michigan State, right? They beat Michigan State last Sunday or Saturday. Was it Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember. Then they lost two straight, and then they beat Michigan State again. And we've talked throughout the course of this season how good Maryland has been defensively. Second in the Big Ten, giving up 64.7 points a game. Yesterday, they held Sparty at a 57. They held Michigan State scoreless for 12 minutes that stretched from the first half into the second half. And during that time, they, uh, as the old saying goes, they they made hay while the sun was shining. 
as they were holding Michigan State scoreless for 12 minutes. They erased a 12-point deficit to go up by 12. And then they led by as many as 19 in the second half. Again, good defense forces turnovers. They forced 18 turnovers yesterday. And they turned those turnovers into 27 points. They had a 27-2 advantage in points off of turnovers. And they also had a big advantage from the foul line. Because, believe it or not, as, as good as, as Maryland's defense was, Michigan State made one more shot from the floor. Or um, at least one more two-point shot. But Maryland was 20 of 28 from the old charity stripe. Michigan State was just 9 of 18. Don't need to be a math whiz to figure out. That's that's 50%. So they used the defense. They hit from the foul line. And they're going to need all of that. They're, they're going to need every single bit of that because things get a hell of a lot tougher for the Terps this morning when they take on top-seeded Michigan in the Big Ten quarterfinals. That game, just like yesterday, an 11-30 tip. Terps lost both games to the Wolverines this season, 84-73 on New Year's Eve in College Park, and then 87-63 in Ann Arbor. That's two losses to Michigan by a combined 35 points. So Maryland will need every they'll, – they'll have to empty the tank if they want any chance. Now, look, yesterday's win, I think, squarely puts them in the NCAA tournament. That's, that's it, that is the most important thing. Obviously, you want to – if you're playing in a Big Ten tournament, you want to win the Big Ten tournament. But I think that win right there, they're comfortable. Winner of today's game. Moves on the face either Ohio State or Purdue in the semifinals. Last night, Ohio State finally got off the schneid. Buckeyes with the ball and an 11-0 lead. Lob of the basket. Young dunks it right of the rim on a lob from the head of the key. The call on Learfield IMG College. Ohio State snapped that four-game losing streak. Four in a row. A very close 79-75 win over Minnesota. In the late games last night, Rutgers beat Indiana 61-50. And Wisconsin barely got by Penn State 75-74. to And PSU actually had a chance to win that game. They had the last possession, but they couldn't even get a shot off. So when we look at the big picture, the full Big Ten slate today, we have Maryland and Michigan. They kick things off from Lucas Oil in Indianapolis at 1130. After that, It's Ohio State-Purdue. In the third game of the day, Rutgers takes on Illinois. And then in the nightcap, it's Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, back to Maryland for a moment. Joe Lunardi, who updated his bracket projections very early this morning, uh, apparently it was too early because he doesn't have the Terps listed anywhere in the field of 64. Which is impossible because he had him as a 10 seed yesterday. And I can't tell you how much time I spent this morning just looking at that. He updated it at like 1244 this morning. And I'm looking at the bracket and I look at it again. Because you know, sometimes you just you just skip over things. You you you're looking for something and you'll just skim over it 
And when I'm sitting here at like 4.30 in the morning, my eyes still haven't adjusted. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm just, my mind's playing tricks on me. And I must have looked at that racket, I swear to you, 10 times. To the point where I was just going slowly, team by team by team. I'm looking at... (laughs) I'm looking at the regions. I'm looking at the first four games. I'm looking at the last four in, the last four buys, the first four out. I don't see Maryland anywhere. And, again, I'm saying that can't be right because he had him as a 10 seed yesterday. They won yesterday. And then I notice on about the 10th viewing of the bracket that he has Rutgers listed twice. So (laughs) we can assume that Maryland should be in one of those two spots. So according to Lenardi's updated bracket, Terps are either a 9 seed in Region 2 or a 10 seed in Region 4. And if I had to guess... I'd say they were still the 10 seed in Region 4 because that's where they were yesterday. And Lunardi has them projected to take on San Diego State in the first round. Hopefully, eventually, because I know he's been told about it, if you go on Twitter, he's been told about it, that he doesn't have Maryland on the bracket. So he's going to fix it at some point. But again, it's either a 9 or a 10. The Terps... Even if they lose today, which I think they will, because Michigan is just really, really good. Terps are in. It's just going to be a matter of where, right? And again, this season, we don't have to worry about, you know, are they going out west? Are they staying here on on, in the East Coast? Because there are no real regions this year. All, All the games are being played in and around Indianapolis. It's just one giant. Uh, I hesitate to call it a bubble, but that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. So you don't have to worry about getting on a plane and flying across the country to play. You know, it's just going to be all right. We know where we're going already. Who are we going to play? That's what it boils down to. What's our seed going to be? Who are we going to play? And we'll find that out Sunday night. And by the way, programming note: uh, we will once again air the uh, Westwood One. Selection show right here on the station. I do believe. Let me let me consult the bones real quick, just to make sure I am right. I do believe it starts at six o'clock. We'll have some early. I think we have the the Capitals on Sunday. No, because they play tomorrow. That's right. So I think we'll have some earlier college hoops action earlier in the day, and then Sunday night tune back in because we'll have the uh, the selection show. At six, and then we'll know exactly where Maryland falls, even though, you know, Lunardi doesn't have them on his bracket today. <laughs> All right, so Maryland gets the win. Big win. Wrap, they, they wrapped up. They secured a spot, no doubt in my mind, in the NCAA tournament. West Virginia, we already knew, had a spot in the NCAA tournament. Question was, how far could they go in the Big 12 tournament? The answer, uh, not very far. We'll get to the Mountaineers next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
is the Morning Rush. Glad to have you on board. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. We're talking college hoops. Got done talking about Maryland's big win over Michigan State yesterday in the second round of the Big Ten tourney. Terps move on to play Michigan this morning at 1130. Uh, Things did not go so well yesterday for West Virginia. Mountaineers were looking for a little payback for their loss to Oklahoma State on senior night in Morgantown and uh, didn't get it. They lost to the Cowboys in back-to-back games. It was 85-80 on Saturday when OK State didn't have Cade Cunningham and Isaac Likely. It was 72-69 last night when both of those players were back in the lineup. Cunningham had 17 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, Likely, who came off the bench, had 10 points and 7 boards. This time, uh, it was West Virginia who had to play a bit shorthanded because uh, Derek Culver was playing despite fighting an illness. Uh, He still had 11 points and 9 rebounds, but he just wasn't himself. And uh, Coach Bob Huggins uh, spoke on the effort by his sick junior big man. I think first and foremost, Derek showed a lot of a lot of courage. I mean, he was having a hard time walking, much less running up and down the floor. And then he had the one flurry that kind of got us back in the game. When you lose a six eleven guy who's your most skilled big, it hurts. Hurts your hurts your depth. We're playing we're playing JB. At the four, and JB's not a four. He's a he's a he's a wing guy. So we got we got our rebounded again. We we can hold our own if we play Gabe and Derek at the same time. But you play Gabe and Derek at the same time, then you get in foul trouble, and then you don't have anybody to put in, which is pretty much what happened to us at the end of the game anyway. Uh, Culver was so sick that he had to take an IV in the locker room at halftime. But when he came back out, and you heard uh, Huggins say he had a quick flurry, he had two quick steals to help West Virginia go up by seven. Mountaineers were taking an eight-point lead on a three-ball by Taz Sherman, but then the wheels kind of fell off. Oklahoma State went on a 21-3 to run to take a 10-point lead with six minutes left. At that point in the game, after scoring 36 points in the first half, the Mountaineers had just scored 18. And Huggins was asked after the game if the Oklahoma State defense did, you know, did anything different in that second half. And Huggins says it wasn't them. It was us. I don't think they did anything, Justin. I think okay. I think we we threw them the ball. We threw them the ball. We gave them second and third shots. They're a good team. They got good players. So you could let them you get three cracks at it, you know, inside the foul line. They're probably going to make one of them. And then we we did a bad job of transition there just that, that that short period of time. But that's when we lost the lead and when they went up by whatever it was, ten. It wasn't it had nothing to do with their defense. It had a lot to do with with us just we kinda of, kinda of, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right word is. We just kinda of relaxed, I think. And still, you know, West Virginia able to kind of claw their way back into the game. Sherman knocked down a couple. He had a great game, by the way. Sherman had a couple of threes to pull the Mountaineers to within one. 
And then he drained another three later to put him up by one. Very late. And Avery Anderson, who I think he had, I think he and Cunningham both had 17 points yesterday. Anderson made a layup to put OK State back up by one. Bryce Williams hit a pair of foul shots to make it 72-69. And those foul shots came after Emmett Matthews made a steal but missed the layup. So Mountaineers had to foul. They fouled Williams. He goes to the line. Bang, bang. It's a three-point game. Mountaineers still had one final chance to tie. Sherman misses a three, but the Mountaineers get the rebound. They get it out to Sean McNeil, who hits a three, but it was after the buzzer. (laughs) So the shot was no good, and they lose by three. And Huggins was asked about that uh, final sequence of the game. Well, I thought I thought that we had we we had we ran the same set I think three straight times and and we had their defense really shifted to to Taz's side and I trying to get Deuce to hear me that take it to Taz and then swing it back to Sean and um, he thought he thought. Taz was open. Taz thought he was open. They, they, I, they, I think they got a piece of the ball, but we get it back and throw it out. Sean's wide open, you think, and then that guy comes flying from nowhere, and Sean had to had to pump fake him by him so he could get a shot off. And it's just uh, ended up being a second or less too late. We got. I mean, we 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 got what we wanted. We just it, we weren't supposed to throw it to Taz. You know, it's easy to sit over there and look at it and see they're at, then have somebody somebody grabbing a hold of your shorts, you know. Overall, uh, we got one final clip here from Huggins. Overall, you know, given the fact that Culver was sick, uh, Gabo Saboyan was in early foul trouble, uh, Huggins said, even though they lost, that he, he liked the the overall effort from his team yesterday. Guys, you, you know, you you know, we could sit here and, 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 and talk about this and that. How about the effort that our guys gave? I mean, Derek, Derek wasn't Derek, fellas. When we had him in, there was a lot of times we played five on, we played uh, four against five because I mean he just he, he couldn't breathe. And then Gabe gets in foul trouble. So now the biggest guy on the floor for us is Emmett. I thought I thought our guys gave a great effort. We had the one period of time where we just kind of let down a little bit and threw the ball to him. And, didn't get back in transition. Did not. Didn't. Didn't rebound a ball. But other than that, I don't. I don't know what. What else you could ask of them. They. We didn't get to the foul line. You know, we we shot what three free throws or something in the second half. So we didn't get to the free throw line, which that gives you a little bit of a rest. We didn't. We didn't get there. So now let me look it up real quick. That's one thing I wanted to do and I forgot to do. So allow me to do that right now on the fly. Because I mentioned yesterday that West Virginia was second in the nation in getting to the foul line. They were making nearly 25 trips to the foul line per game. Which again, second in all of Division I. Yesterday... They shot nine. That's that's a huge. <laughs> that's you talk about a huge difference. You talk about a difference maker. When you go into a game, <laughs> averaging almost twenty five 
foul shots a game, and they took nine, and they made six. On the other side, OK State was 12 of 20. So that's a six-point swing on the foul line. I mean, look, in a three-point game, you expect everything to be even across the board, right? From the floor, Oklahoma State was 27 of 61. West Virginia, 28 of 66. It's one more shot. Cowboys shot 44%. Mountaineers, 42%. Mountaineers made one more three. They made seven threes. Oklahoma State, six threes. Three-point percentage, one had 31, one was 30. The difference right there, foul line. Oklahoma State, 12 of 20. West Virginia shot nine. And they were badly out-rebounded, by the way. 45 to 32. So if you want to point to a couple keys from that game, you look at Derek Culver uh, playing sick, uh, Gabe Osaboyan in that foul trouble, and then the Mountaineers just simply not getting to the line. So now all they can do is go back home to Morgantown and and wait to see where they fall in a field of 68, right? And fall being the key word there. Because, you know, I said yesterday, the Mountaineers, they had more to lose as far as NCAA seeding goes than Oklahoma State. Yesterday's projections, Joe Lunardi had the Mountaineers as a three seed and OK State as a four seed. Oklahoma State could have lost that game yesterday, and they still probably be a four seed. Mountaineers, not so much. And sure enough, you know, in his updated projections, which came out after midnight, Lunardi now has the two flipped. Oklahoma State is a three seed in Region One, and the Mountaineers have dropped to the four line in Region Four. Which again, the big difference there is they would have to go through. If the projections, you know, play out the way Joe has them, they'd have to go through top-seeded Illinois to get to the region final instead of second-seeded Alabama. And quite frankly, that's that's the way it should be. Mountaineers, you know, they lost two of three to Oklahoma State, including, what, two straight in the span of five days? There's no way that West Virginia should be seeded higher than Oklahoma State in the NCAA tournament. It just shouldn't happen. So they should be flipped. And right now you have a Mountaineer team kind of limping a little to the finish line, losing three of their last four. Right? They lost to Baylor, and they've lost back-to-back to Oklahoma State. But they'll get back home to Morgantown. They'll rest up. Hopefully Culver gets well. And just get ready to see who they play on Sunday. And we'll have to wait until Sunday evening Uh, to see where they fall. As far as Oklahoma State goes, they still have at least one more game to play, and that will be against top-seeded Baylor today in the semifinals. Uh, Bears got by the Kansas State. I just said the Kansas State. (laughs) You kids spending all that time on the Facebook. Uh, Got by Kansas State yesterday, 74-68. And LaFonso Ellis says that Cade Cunningham will be the key for the Cowboys 
uh, against the number two team in the country. Kate Cunningham is difficult to guard. I mean, he's not only freshman of the year in the Big 12, he was player of the year in the Big 12. Can really knock down the three ball in these terrific and ball screen situations. And with the smaller guards of Baylor, he'll be able to, in ball screen situations, see over the top to either hit the roller or throw it back backside or keep his dribble and get to the rim. And given the fact that he's 6'8", if they go under those ball screens, then he shoots like 38% from the three-point line. So this would be a good matchup. Uh, They'll do a great job of mixing their man and their zone defense in the half court to try to keep Baylor off balance. The one thing that I would encourage them to do, Baylor makes 11 made threes per game, 43% from the three-point line. That's the best in the country. They've got to run them off the three-point line, make them take tough twos. Cannot let Baylor make 11 threes tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, uh, being today. So Oklahoma State and Baylor in one Big 12 semifinal. In the other Big 12 semi tonight, Texas will take on Kansas. The Longhorns rallied past barely a Texas Tech 67-66, and Kansas beat Oklahoma last night 69-62. Still much more college hoops to talk about. The ACC tournament minus one big name now. The SEC tournament minus another big name. All that and a big upset in the Big East. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Tony C. in the big chair. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. We are recapping the day, the evening, the night in college hoops. Maryland, move it on. In the Big Ten, West Virginia, not so much. Uh, in the Big 12, they are one and done. ACC quarterfinals were played yesterday, and they were played without Duke. I mean, they were supposed to play. They were supposed to play Florida State in the very first game of the day. That is until the news broke that somebody in the Duke program Tested positive for COVID. And Duke uh, was ending its season. Duke AD Kevin White said somebody within the program did indeed test positive after Wednesday's win over Louisville. And because of health, safety, and contact tracing protocols, the team was put in quarantine. And so, their ACC tournament done. NCAA tournament done which snaps their streak of 24 straight appearances in the NCAA tournament. And last night, Ian Fitzsimmons said what happened to Duke should put everyone on a high alert next week. For their season to end this way on the anniversary of when sports shut down, I mean, it, it, I, I was on my couch today going, oh, my gosh. I mean, it, it was numbing, Freddie. And it's also a massive scare for all of us. Waiting on next week and the dance. Nothing is a foregone conclusion still to this day. And it was a it gave me a sense of, you know, basketball mortality, for lack of a better term. But man, you have to have seven straight days of, you know, no positive tests, no contact tracing in order to be in the tournament. And Duke today gave me a big old hold your breath, boys and girls, because this this ride is far from over. Now, the other three ACC games did go off as planned. 
Uh, top seed Virginia got by Syracuse, 72-69. So the Orange are squarely on the bubble heading into Sunday. Joe Lunardi has Cuse as one of the last four getting in to the tournament. North Carolina knocked off the third-seeded Virginia Tech Hokies, 81-73. And in the late game, Georgia Tech beat Miami, 70-66. So the ACC semifinals look like this today. Georgia Tech takes on Virginia in the first game at 6.30, and then UNC and Florida State after that. In the SEC tournament, we've we've known for a long time that Kentucky was not getting in to the NCAA tournament unless they won the SEC tourney. And Mississippi State put the kibosh on that yesterday with a one-point win over the Wildcats, 74-73 in the second round. Kentucky finishes the season with only nine wins. Didn't even get to double figures. Can you believe that? Kentucky, 9-16 and 16 overall. Coach John Calipari, after his team, finished one of the worst in Kentucky history. You know what? They had their chance. And when you let stuff go, you learn to fight more. Somebody's going to die, them or us. Well, you must be okay if it's you because you're going to take a, a shot or you're going to foul. Or you, you must have been okay that it was you to die. My team's historically played like if they lost, they were going to the electric chair. This team did not. Times we did, but maybe physically – You know, we weren't capable of that, but you know what? Here's what I would say. For them to play how they started that game and then to play the second half the way they played says something about them. They never quit on anything. They didn't quit one time this year. So Kentucky is done. Duke is done, which means we'll have an NCAA tournament without either of those teams for the first time since 1976. In the other SEC games yesterday, second round, Florida beat Vandy 69-63. Missouri just got by Georgia 73-70. And Ole Miss beat uh, South Carolina 76-59. So in the quarterfinals today, starting at noon, uh, Mississippi State taking on Alabama, Florida and Tennessee after that. Then you got Mizzou and Arkansas. And then in the late, late game, Ole Miss uh, against LSU. Uh, yesterday in the Big East, we had a pretty big upset. Swider to inbound. Gets the ball in on the left sideline to Caleb Daniels. Daniels across the timeline. Puts up a deep three. Missed it. Hoyes win. 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 Georgetown is going to the semifinals of the Big East tournament on a pair of free throws by Dante Harris. Hey, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, uh, the Hoyas won. That was that was the call on 106.7 The Fan. Georgetown upsets number 14 Villanova in the Big East quarterfinals, a 72 to 71. Dante Harris, uh, those two free throws with poor, uh, 4.7 seconds left. Georgetown, <clears throat> a perfect 23 of 23 from the foul line yesterday. Which is amazing when you think 23 of 23. I had a stat here somewhere. I'm trying to find it. The first time a team has shot 100% on at least 20 attempts in the history of the Big East tournament. How about that? 
So the Hoyas knock off Nova 72-71 after the game. Georgetown head coach Patrick Ewing, he's happy about the win, but he's not happy about something else. I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. I, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? Now, it is worth noting that if you watch the video, Ewing did have kind of a, you know, a little smile on his face when he said that. So I can't take him entirely seriously. Yeah, I can't take the whole thing. I, mean, I don't know. I think the word accosted is a pretty strong word. <laughs> now, we've had some things go down to Madison Square Garden in recent years where you might think he has a beef. And I would hope that Patrick wouldn't use the old don't you know who I am card. Come on. There's a good. When's the last time Patrick Ewing played in the NBA? Seriously. When, when was his last year? There, there seriously might be people working at MSG who never saw him play. I'm not saying they don't know who he is, but they may have never seen him play. Yeah, yeah, his his jersey might be in the rafters, but last time I checked, his face isn't on that jersey. Again, I'm pretty sure it was mostly tongue-in-cheek that he wasn't all that serious. At least I hope he wasn't anyway. But anyway, Georgetown moves on. Other Big East games yesterday, Creighton beat Butler 87-56. Seton Hall beat St. John's in overtime 77-69. And then it was a UConn cruising by DePaul uh, 94-60. So in today's games, the uh, Big East semifinals, you got G-Town against Seton Hall. And then UConn uh, taking on uh, Creighton. Way out west in the Pac-12, real quick, before we get to the top of the hour. As soon as I pull it up here, where are they in? They are in the quarterfinals. Cal uh, lost to Colorado 61-58. USC beat Utah in overtime. Actually, it was double overtime, 91-85. Oregon State beat UCLA in overtime, 83-79. And Oregon cruised past Arizona State, uh, 91-73. So in the Pac-12 semifinals today, Oregon State and Oregon, and then Colorado and USC very, very late. Good news is it's a Friday. So if you don't have to work tomorrow, it is possible. It's possible that if you have today off, if you are a college hoops junkie, you could start the day by watching Maryland and Michigan tip off at 1130 and then finish up the night by watching Colorado-USC at 11.30, because that's when the game starts East Coast time. That would be amazing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you just if you had it's like nothing to do and you can sit and just watch 12, 13, 14 straight hours of college basketball? That'd be awesome. It'd be nearly impossible with my schedule, but it would be awesome. All right. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. When we come back, we'll rock around the region. 
We'll talk about some new rules that Major League Baseball was floating around the minor leagues. And we'll have Joe Shuda in our Rush Friday feature, the Ask Tony edition, part two. Stick around, 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. We were talking about Patrick Ewing <laughs> before we get to the rock around the region. Uh, Georgetown upset Villanova yesterday by a point. And in the post-game presser, Patrick Ewing was a little bit, I don't know if he was terribly miffed. Because again, if you watch the video, he does kind of have a little smirk on his face. But he said he was just kind of tired of walking around Madison Square Garden and people always asking him for his ID. He used the word accosted, which I think is a little bit strong. And it's kind of like, you know, don't you know who I am? I'm Patrick Ewing. I played for the Knicks. We're in Madison Square Garden, Big East Tournament. How can you possibly not know who I am? And during the break, I was informed that he retired in 2002. So the last time Patrick Ewing did anything in the NBA was 19 years ago. So there is a possibility that there is a security guard at Madison Square Garden, a youngster, that might not immediately recognize Patrick Ewing. I'm just saying. Or, or, and I know this is crazy, it's a novel thought, it's a crazy idea, or there was a security guard just doing his job or her job. Maybe that was just it. Maybe the security guard in the, the day we live in with, with protocol after protocol after protocol, maybe the security person or persons were told, you need to ID everybody, regardless of who they are. And that's what they did. So, Patrick, get over yourself. All right, I know you're Patrick Ewing, but just, just you know, relax a little bit. You won the game. You're still playing. All right, uh, one final time this morning. What do you say we rock around the region? I want to rock right now. And we'll stay with college basketball. And we talked about this in depth last hour. Again, if you missed it, check out the podcast page. Uh, West Virginia is one and done in the Big 12 tournament. Another nail-biter for Oklahoma State. Cowboys with the ball. Isaac Likely on the dribble. Top of the key to Caleb Boone. Left wing Avery Anderson. Strike to the rim. Layup. Good! The Cowboys take the lead. Anderson found a path to the basket. The call on Learfield IMG College, 72-69 the final. Mountaineers lose to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 quarterfinals. Deuce McBride and Taz Sherman each had 19 points for West Virginia. Mountaineers had a chance to tie the game late. Last possession, Sean McNeil drained a three, but it was after the buzzer. Shot didn't count. They lose by three. Big 12 tournament over. So now they wait until Sunday to see where they will, well, we know where they'll play, but who they'll play in the NCAA tournament. Elsewhere, Eric Ayala had 21 points to lead Maryland over Michigan State, 68-57 in the second round of the Big Ten tournament. Aaron Wiggins had 19 points for the Terps, who will take on top-seeded Michigan today at 11.30. In boys' high school basketball, Drew Keckley had 21 points. To lead Hampshire over Frankfurt, 45-38 in short gap. Jake Clark and Bryson Lane each had 10 points for Frankfurt, uh, which is 0-3. Elsewhere, uh, Trinity Christian got by Berkeley Springs, 67-63.
and Kaiser picked up its first win of the season, 55-41 over Moorfield. On the girls' side, Petersburg beat Tucker County 57-44. It was Hedgesville over Berkeley Springs 54-40. And in a rather low-scoring affair, Pendleton County beat Pocahontas County 30-25. Tonight in girls' action, the Battle of Mineral County, first of two this season, will go down in Kaiser as the Golden Tornado are hosting uh, Frankfurt. And Petersburg is hosting Hampshire on the boys' side, a light, light night as far as the region goes. Uh, Tucker County is hosting Moorfield. On the ice last night, the Capitals had a couple of milestone goals against the Flyers. Away now, right side, and here's Jacob Brada. Cuts in front of Gostas Bear, and a shot, and Carlson scores! John Carlson puts it through Elliott. It's 3-1 Washington. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. John Carlson's goal gave him career point number 500 in Washington's 5-3 win in Philadelphia. Alex Ovechkin also scored to give him career goal number 715, leaving him just two goals behind Phil Esposito for sixth on the all-time goal-scoring list. In Buffalo, Gino Evgeny Malkin had a goal and assist. He's been playing very well lately. As the Penguins beat the Sabres 5-2, Jake Gensel had the eventual game winner for the Pens, who have won four straight. Major League Baseball spring training action, Anthony Alford and Will Craig homered as the Pirates beat the Orioles 7-5. Ryan Mountcastle had a two-run double for the O's. The Nationals and Marlins played to the ever-popular spring training 1-1 tie. In college football, yes, college football in March, Frostburg State opened its very short spring season with a 27-20 win over Wheeling at FSU. Chad Palmer uh, threw for 138 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 43 yards and another score. And tonight in high school football, Greenway Avenue Stadium, uh, Fort Hill is hosting Mountain Ridge. The kickoff is 5 o'clock. We'll have the game right here on this very station pregame around 4.45, And remember, uh, we actually had one game in the fall before Allegheny County shut everything down again, and that was uh, Fort Hill won that game 31-6. to So kind of a rematch uh, tonight. Not a rematch. It's a continuation. Whatever. I don't know. It's so confusing. But they're playing tonight. And that is your walk around the region brought to you by Frostburg. No, that's the old old, uh, sponsor. That's the old one. Brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. There we go. That's, That's the new one. We'll still give some love to Frostburg State University Athletics. We just talked about the football team. But this one was brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. Uh, speaking of Fort Hill, we have a very short clip here. My main man, Brian Chase, uh, from our sister station, uh, 100.1 The Wolf, right down the hall here from where I'm at. Uh, he actually stopped by Greenway Avenue Stadium to talk to Fort Hill head coach Zach Auer. And, Zach Auer. Zach Alkire. My goodness. What is wrong with me? What are you doing? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So what happens, and and this is something that I've battled all my life, it's what happens when my mouth starts moving faster than my brain can move, can, can, you know, that's that's exactly what happened. I I get too far ahead of myself, a little too excited, and I just kind of, I just go off the rails just a bit. I got to dial it back. I got to bring it back in. 
I got to refocus and recenter. And we move on. So as I was saying, back when I can speak proper English, Brian Chase stopped by Greenway Avenue Stadium to talk to Zach Alkire, Foyle head coach, and a couple of special guests. So here is this very brief clip of everything that I just talked about there. Brian Chase here at Fort Hill High School, and I'm glad to say football season has resumed, and Fort Hill has a big game coming up on Friday. And let's go around the room, and your name, sir. Hi, I'm Coach Alkire. And Coach, good to meet you for the first time. And your name, and uh, what grade are you in, and what position do you play? I'm Paxton Wirtz. I'm a senior at Fort Hill, and uh, I play halfback and defensive tackle. And your name? I'm Corey Stafford. I'm a senior at Fort Hill. I play safety and split end. And uh, Coach Zach Alcar, uh, your first full season. What are some of the protocols that you guys have to do every day? Because this is a different situation. What are just some of the things that you guys got to do every day as coaches to get these guys ready to play and keep them safe? Yeah, it's certainly been unique. Basically, since the summer, there's been no more than maybe three or four weeks where we've actually had them. And as a, that's probably been the longest time we've had them together. It's been a lot of, you know, hey, here's some workouts for you. The workouts even had to be different because some kids have a full gym, some kids have nothing. So we've had to level that a little bit. It's been working out as much as we possibly can on our own. And then once we've come back together, it's, it's been, you know, we've got to social distance, you got to wear your mask. It's been tough on them. It's been tough on us. We haven't been able to do the things that we usually do. It's really up to these guys. And I think that they've done a pretty good job of, of doing that. What do you want the community to know about this group of young men that have had to put up with the stoppages and the sacrifices? Sure. Well, I mean, I've had these guys before. Um, obviously, I was the JV coach before coming to varsity, so I had a good relationship with a lot of these kids. And basically, these are a group of kids, I think, that have been really close since their freshman year. Many of these kids have played two and three sports. To have their senior year taken away when they've worked really hard. I remember when most of these kids came in as freshmen, uh, they've all worked really hard together to become the athletes that they are. And you know, it's been good to see them get that opportunity to at least come in here and, and get some kind of season in. And Coach, we'll get back to you in just a second. And Paxton, you're look, you're a senior this year, is that correct? Yes. And what are you looking forward to this season? It's a different season. What are you looking forward to the most? Is it hanging out with the guys, just getting out there on the field? What, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm just looking forward to actually being able to play and being able to be with my teammates again. It may not be the season I actually wanted and actually have, but I'm actually happy just to be with them and being able to play at least four games with them. And, Corey, what are you looking forward to the most of this uh, different season? Just getting back out there with all of them and competing. And I know it's only four games, like Paxton said, but it's just a chance to get out there and have fun with all my teammates again. And let's go back to Coach Alcar. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are just playing Mountain Ridge and Allegheny. Is that it? So we'll play Mountain Ridge on Friday, and then we'll play Allegheny uh, the following Friday. We have Mountain Ridge at Mountain Ridge the Thursday before Easter, and then we'll wrap it up with the homecoming game on the 10th of of April. Tickets are now, it's a little bit more wide open. My best suggestion would be the Fort Hill F Club on Facebook is a good place to start, but do you have any suggestions or anything about tickets if John Doe Public wanted to come to the game? Um, At at this point, we're, we're still trying to develop that plan. The the participants, whether that's football, band, cheerleaders, they're going to have the first run at the tickets. It was a, a little bit of surprise that Hogan was able to open up yeah. the stands, and you know we're really appreciative of that. And I, I told the kids he, he must be a Fort Hill fan because it, <laughs> you, you literally open up the the gates Friday at five, and that's when we're supposed to play. So um, hopefully we can get a plan together and, and get some of the community out here too. That'd be great. 
Governor Hogan should be a Fort Hill fan with the amount of thrills and championships and great moments that Fort Hill has provided for and represented the great state of Maryland. I hope he's a Fort Hill fan. What do you think? You would think so. You know, Coach, <laughs> Coach Apple did a, an amazing job with the program over the, the course of the last 12, 13 years or so. And he did. He All of our state championship runs, we always bring a big crowd in. The, the Fort Hill followers, they obviously contribute a lot of that money down to the state. So they, he should be a Fort Hill fan. You're right. I think he probably is. Okay, something fun now. I got This is an open question for everybody. Who's the team funny man? Do we, is there a team funny man, like a jokester, somebody who's always playing the joke? Is there a team funny man on the Fort Hill football team this year? Anybody? I'd say Canning Grapes. Yeah. That's exactly who, who is it again? Canning Grapes. He's, what position does he play? He's an offensive lineman. He's, he plays guard force. Well, guys, congratulations. I'm glad we're starting to get some football play. Coach Alkire, best of luck this year. I know it's not the year you wanted, but at least you're going to have a chance to coach these young men this year. And I look forward to it. All right, so there you go. Brian Chase uh, from our sister station, uh, 100.1 The Wolf, with uh, Coach Alkire, a couple of players there, talking about just, you know, happy to be having a season. I-, I can't get used to it. I can't. High school football in March, I can't get used to it. It's just, it's just, it's foreign. It's, it's just weird. College football in March, I just can't. We're still playing college, you know, we're still playing high school basketball. It's everything is just upside down. Dogs are living with cats. It's 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 insanity. But anyway, that game tonight, Mountain Ridge at Fort Hill. Again, craziness. Kickoff at five, and we'll have the game uh, right here. I just saw uh, on Twitter that you Orioles fans recognize the name Nick Markakis is retiring. Says that uh, Markakis, who spent 15 years with the Orioles and the Braves, knew after Atlanta lost the 2020 NLCS that he would retire. You just didn't tell anybody until now. So Markakis is retiring after 15 seasons. He is eighth all time in games played uh, by a right fielder. So Nick Markakis riding off to the sunset after a 15 year MLB career. Also seeing that uh, the Ravens. Reaching an agreement to re-sign linebacker Pernell McPhee. So, uh, there you go. Major League Baseball. And the discussion comes up every now and then about baseball struggling, how it's kind of fallen off from the other big sports. And it seems like baseball is always trying to tweak and change things, make the game better, make the game more watchable. Uh, for a a younger generation that, let's face it, has the attention span uh, of a spatula. Okay, let's just be real about that. So Major League Baseball, they're going to try to implement some different rules changes in the minor leagues this season to kind of see how they work. They always use the minor leagues as the guinea pigs for any kind of experimental rules changes to see if they work out there and maybe they can work out in, in Major League Baseball. And some of them, believe it or not, I actually like. Because they're looking at more games with an electronic strike zone. They're looking at a 15-second pitch clock. And my favorite here, banning some forms of defensive shifts, which I think is excellent. Now, the minor league season is expected to start in May, a month later than usual. And it's going to be around a 120-game season. 
And the most radical change will be at the double-A level, where four infielders will be mandated. They must have both feet on the infield dirt, which will prevent these extreme shifts we see in Major League Baseball where you take a shortstop and you put him in short right field, right? So you have the first baseman where he usually plays, the second baseman where he usually plays, and then you have somebody playing short right field, then you have somebody playing, you know, in the regular right field position. That will eliminate that. And then they say, depending on what happens and how that works out, the second half of the season, uh, we could see a more extreme version of that rule, which will mandate two infielders on each side of the second base bag. I... Put me down now. I will go on the record as saying that's got to happen. That's got to happen because defensive shifts are horrible. I know they work, but the problem is they work too well. I know you consider and say that managers have a right to manage a team how they want, and if they want to put four guys on one side of the infield, they should have that right. I understand that. I get that. But it just takes away so much from the game. And really, look, the league is not even trying to be secretive about it. But, you know, when they were trying to explain why they're they're banning these defensive shifts, they just flat out came out and said, we're trying to increase the batting average on balls in play. Like they're not even trying to hide it. Because these defensive shifts work so well, there's, there's no offense. And so they're just saying, we're, we're doing this because we want to see more offense. And as I, if I, I've said before, hitters today and the way they're being trained and the way they're being taught, they're not good enough to beat a shift. They're just not. As we've seen so many times, as we've seen the league, I don't know, progress or go backwards, depending on how you look at it, it's either home run or a strikeout. There are no pure hitters anymore. There are no Tony Gwynns. There are very few Tony Gwynns left in Major League Baseball. You could never put a shift on Tony Gwynn. Never. If you put four guys on the right side of the infield, he's going left side. Right? I mean, that's just hitters today simply aren't good enough to go opposite field. They're just not good enough. They're just not skilled enough. They're just not taught enough to hit the ball where the defense isn't. That's why you see all these big power pull hitters. As soon as they come up, it's up. Let's get everybody over on one side of the field. And they might hit. BBs. They might, they'll hit a laser. They'll hit the cover of the ball and it's usually right at somebody because you got 18 guys on the left side of the second base bag. It's, it's, it's crappy to watch. It takes away from the game. So I, for one, hope this works. People are going to complain about it, especially managers, but it's for the betterment of the game. I don't want to see. Hard line drives and hard ground balls go nowhere because 
everything shifted to one side because the hitters aren't good enough to go the opposite direction. Another thing they're trying, this will be at the uh, the low, uh, low A ball. They're using an automated uh, ball strike. Autom- automated? Automated. <laughs> ball strike system. And they're trying to find, they're tinkering with an optimal strike zone. All right? Now, they, they had a system they used in the Arizona Fall League and the Atlantic League, which used a, and this is getting a little bit too, you know, they used a three-dimensional strike zone that covered the entire plate. But now they're going to use a two-dimensional plane at the front of the plate. So they're going to tinker with that to eventually get rid of the human element of balls and strikes and just use an automated strike zone. Another low A league, the West, they're going to try a 15-second pitch clock because, again, Major League Baseball, trying to cater to those who just don't like the pace of baseball the way it is, they're going to try to put it in a 15-second pitch clock, which is basically as soon as the pitcher gets the ball back from the catcher, he has 15 seconds to throw the next pitch. This next one, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like this one or not. But they're actually going to try to limit the number of pickoff attempts to a bag. And they're going to do this again in low A ball. Pitchers can attempt a pickoff or step off the rubber only twice during an at bat. All right? So you can only try to pick off a runner twice or step off the rubber twice. During one guy's at bat. If you try to pick off a runner a third time and you don't pick him off, it's a balk. And all runners on base can advance. <laughs> I don't know if I like that one or not. And they're also going to mess with uh, actually making the bases bigger. And they're going to do this at the triple-A level. Bases are going to be three inches longer on each side. And I guess the result there is going to be an impact on the success rate of stolen base attempts because they're going into uh, and beating out like ground balls and bunt attempts. So, I don't know. So we'll see. Again, I am all for change when it comes to this. Strike zone, the automated, okay. The pickoff thing, not so much. The bigger bases, whatever. But I, I really, really like the thought of banning or severely limiting the defensive shifts. It's just going to make the game more exciting because it's going to bring offense back into it a little bit more. We're actually going to see more base hits instead of either home run or strikeout. All right, time for a break. News and weather coming up. When we come back, Joe Shuda, Rush Friday feature, the Ask Tony edition part two. We have some fun with it. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Joining me on the Rush Line right now, a man you hear on this very show every single Friday with a Rush Friday feature. Today's feature, this is the second time we're doing this. On the line, my main man, Joe Shooter. Check him out, all his stuff on his website, 2MinuteTO.com. That's the number 2, MinuteTO.com. Joe, my man, what's happening? Good morning to you. 
great speaking with you. For our audience, I turned down an interview with Harry and Megan, and I said, the real royalty is Tony. And so we're going to ask Tony some more questions. Four months ago, we did this. We started with 50 questions. We have 37 remaining. Tony will say a number, and uh, I'll ask the question. And just for those uh, new to the this whole feature, I don't know what the questions are. I have no idea what you're about to ask me. So this is just some rapid-fire stuff. I'll kick out a number, and Joe asks the question, and I'm going to try the best I can off the cuff to answer it the best I can, or just even you know lie about it if I have to. All right, uh, so let's throw out a number here. Let's get it started here. Let's go with lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. <laughs> where is one place you would like to visit where you've never been before? Does it have to be like sports involved or just anywhere? No, not at all. Any place at all. I would like to go to the motherland, Italy. I've never been, and I would like to visit where, you know, uh, my grandparents and great-grandparents and all that stuff, and you get a little look at, you know, where it all began, so to speak. So Italy would be the place, for sure. And that's interesting. I, I've spoken to several people who have actually done that. That's, that's interesting. All right, let's go to our next question. Ask Tony. Next question, how about number 21? Would you sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl for $10,000? but you'd be booed and ridiculed for the rest of your life. Absolutely not. No, not for no. You'd have to pay me a lot more than that. You would have to About pay. 100000 You would be on on YouTube. I mean, people would just be, it, it would be unbelievable. They'd run it over now, and over again, $100,000. For a lifetime of humiliation, it would have to be at least a million bucks. It would have to be. To, to be all over the place, to be, you know, enshrined in internet history, in social media history of being, you know, just the butt of all the jokes. No, I would need, in order to, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to sell my dignity, <laughs> it's got to be for more than a hundred grand. I, I need at least a cool mill. Then I would do it for sure. Because believe me, I can't sing at all. I couldn't carry. Right. I couldn't carry a tune if it came with a handle. So. All right. Next question. Next question. Ah, uh, let's go with. You said what? There's thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Let's go with thirty-seven. Right at the very end there. Number 37, what's your favorite season of the year and why? Uh, boy, it's got to be, ooh, that's a tough one because every season has its, uh, you know, pros and cons. It's definitely not winter, I could tell you that. Probably fall. I'd just say there's something about fall. Um, high school starts, so you got you know, high school football, college football. It's seen, you know, hockey starts in October, and there's just something about, you know, the changing of the the leaves and just something something about the feel, the look, and the smell of fall that just, I guess, evokes more memories than the other seasons. I love summer. I love vacation, going to the beach and stuff. But I would have to say fall for sure. With, 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 with summer being a very close uh, runner-up in that category. All right, next question. Uh, next question, 18. Number 18, Alice Cooper. I'm 18 and I like it. <laughs> What's your all-time favorite sports movie? All-time? Oh my goodness, man! Oh, there's so many of them. Because you got well, you, know, pick, you, you pick had, out a couple, and then you can go from there. Pick yeah, out a couple, but, and then you know, we'll do them. You got your better basketball movies. You got your better football movies. You got a bit, you know, your better baseball movies. Not too many great hockey movies, but still. Um, but one that I that I will never. I don't know if it's a favorite, like my ultimate favorite, but one I can never shut off is Hoosiers. Anytime Hoosiers is on. Uh, Norman Dale, I'm not, I'm not shutting it off. Uh, Field of Dreams is another one. That's a classic. 
Remember the Titans is another. I mean, there's oh my goodness, there's so many of them. But I guess if if I had to narrow it down, if I had to go with the old the old question, if you can only watch one sports movie for the rest of your life and only one, it have to be it have to be Hoosier. So I guess that would top the list with so many more. You know, one A, one B, one C, one D, because there are just some great sports movies out there. And by the way, you're allowed to be honest about this since you do coach. Do you get a little emotional when you watch it? Hoosiers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. You know, I get emotional at the very end of Field of Dreams when Kevin Costner asks his dad, you want, you know, want to have a catch? I mean, every time. I get misty every I'm not even going to lie about it. Uh, remember the Titans? There's so many emotional. You know, that's the one thing that sports movies do, that, that sports does in general, is that it evokes those emotions. Um, and that's why we love sports so much, right? Because it's just, it sports touch you in a way that not many parts of reality does. And I think sports movies, a good sports movie can kind of mimic that reality that sports gives you. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Hoosiers, you know, those are the, the best movies get you all. I'll tell you one underrated movie that not a lot of people talk about, but it's another one that I can't turn off is radio. You know what I'm talking about there with, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and, oh, uh, what's the coach's name? Ed Harris. No, I've never seen that. You've never seen radio. It's, it's it's a football no. movie. Uh, it's, it's high school football. And, and radio, was it was kind of a, a special needs kid who always kind of hung around football practice. I, I do believe it was in South Carolina or Virginia, one of the two. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want radio hanging around, didn't quite understand. It, 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 again, it's very underrated, and, but I would recommend it to anybody. And, again, another tearjerker. It pulls out the old heartstrings. But, yeah, radio is one of my, you know, secret favorites. All right, let's continue as we have numbers 1 through 37. Go ahead, your next number. All right, next number for Ask Tony here on this very uh, grilling Rush Friday feature with Joe Shuda. Um, let's go with number two. If you could spend a day with a current professional athlete, who would it be? Man, you can at least narrow it down to a sport. Um, the first one that popped in my head was Sidney Crosby because I love hockey. Like just hanging out, just like doing whatever. Or... Yeah, sure. Spend, spend a day, sure. By the way, I interviewed a guy oh twenty years ago who, if you remember, Jose Canseco oh, yeah. for a thousand dollars, you could visit him, and this guy flew to Miami and spent a day with him. <laughs> Guy was from guy was from Pennsylvania, and and Jose said you can ask me any question, and the guy asked him about Madonna. Really, that's the question he came up with. Madonna, he paid a thousand no, bucks. Said, that was the first one. <laughs> but they, they had a barbecue and a thousand bucks. Jose picked him up in a limo. The guy flew had to the guy had to pay for his airfare to Miami, and uh, Jose picked him up in a limo, and um, he paid the thousand in advance. He said they had a barbecue and hung around the pool and. He said, ask me any questions you want. He said, I started off asking about Madonna. That's crazy. Now, see, that's a tough question for me because I don't, I'm not one of those people, I never have been, even before I started doing this for a living, I've never been enamored with athletes. Like, I've I've never, like, I, I can safely say that I've never really had a favorite athlete. Even back when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, when there was plenty of, you know, to go around, Willie Stargell and Terry Bradshaw and them, I, I never, I've always been one of those team first kind of fans because I, I understand that players come and go. That's why I've never bought a player's jersey ever in any sport. And I, I just never, I don't become attached to uh, to athletes. So I, that's why it's tough for me to answer because I really can't 
pick one out of the blue. But I, I guess since I love hockey so much and I am a Penguins fan, I, I guess I'll, I'll just stick with Sidney Crosby and, and, and leave it at that. Okay, next question. How about number 28? Number 28. Which sports cliche do you hate? We could, of course, have a couple sports cliches. Let's take them uh, one question at a time. I, well, uh, it's, it's, one, funny, one it's, time. it's funny you said that because that was the first thing that popped in my head when I hear coaches and players say we're going to take it one day at a time. Like you have a choice. We all take it one day at a time. <laughs> it's, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's another one. Uh, you know, it is, that's not necessarily a sports cliche, but it is what it is. Yeah, the, the whole one day at a time thing uh, drives me crazy. Now we're going to take it one game at a time, one day at a time. It's just, to me, it's just overused. Um, so I'll, I'll go with that one. Or one doubleheader at a time. <laughs> right, right, right. Or well, back in 1920, the last triple header, the Pirates played the Cubs one triple header at a time. Right, that's great? Right. A triple header. <laughs> they would never do it, Joe. They would never do it uh, because they, they wouldn't get paid for it. So there you go. But that's another story hey, Tony, for another day. Tony, number 17. Go ahead. We need a good laugh. 17. Go ahead. I have a question, uh, Tony. Go ahead. What number? Um, oh, gee, I'm going to say uh, 17, Joe. Could you dunk a basketball on a nine-foot basket? Now? No. Yes. That's a, you, so you couldn't? No. Could you touch the rim? Probably not. Probably not. I, I have I have gravity working against me uh, at this point in my life. Now, back in my, my youth, definitely. Matter of fact, I did. We used to have a hoop that was nine feet, and we dunk on it all the time. But now, uh, no. I, I, I honestly don't think. I might be able to, to catch like a little, you know, a uh, little piece of my fingernail on the rim, but dunk it, I, I doubt it. When you were younger, could you touch a, a 10-foot rim? No, I don't think I ever got a rim on a, 10, on a 10-foot rim when I was a kid. No, I just didn't have, I didn't have the ups, as the kids say, Joe. I didn't have the hops, the vertical. I just didn't. All right, we got uh, Joe Shooter on the line, our live Rush Friday feature. It's the Ask Tony edition, and we got about two minutes left, Joe. Okay. So here's your official two-minute warning. And the next number will be 28. No, I already picked that. Never mind. Uh, 29. Number 29. What's your lowest round of golf score? Um, well, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know I've never shot below 100. And that's no lie. I've never shot a round of golf under 100. So 101, I would have to guess. I don't think I ever shot an even 100. I'm terrible at golf. I am probably the worst golfer that I know. I still do it because I enjoy it, but I've never shot sub 100. So if I had to guess, and that's all it is is a guess, is 101, 102, something like that. I'm just, I'm simply awful, but I like it. So I do it. And our final question. Final question since today. Did I pick 11? You did right there. All right. Since today. Here's a good one. Right. Yeah, that's a real good one here. Number 11, final question. And this could end with you probably. All weekend, having put ice on your arm. <laughs> oh, How no. fast can you throw a baseball? Probably not fast at all. I got I got shoulder issues. Um, I know back in the day, and it's funny because when I worked at uh, the Mineral Daily years ago, I actually went to Potomac State because I had a bet with my brother on how fast I could uh, throw a fastball. And we actually had two Pirates tickets on the line. And I bet him that I could pitch – I can hit the radar gun at least uh, or 71 times. And so Doug Little, head coach of Potomac State, actually let me come up to the field and pitch 
with him with the radar gun. And I never hit 70. I think I topped out at like 68. Now, with my shoulder issue, and every, uh, boy, I, I don't know if I can throw 50 to tell you the truth. So I, yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I'm I'm severely limited, Joe. I'm not a I'm not a uh, a stellar athlete like you, still running, you know, 30 miles a day like you do. Uh, my body is breaking down at a rapid pace. So so uh, fastball now maybe maybe 50, maybe if I'm lucky. All right. Well, we'll do this about uh, three or four more months from now, at the end of summer, and. Uh... Give you a chance maybe to get in better shape. I look forward to the embarrassment. I look forward to uh, <laughs> revealing myself for all to hear. So, but it was fun, Joe. It always is. Nice little change of pace. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe people learn something about me they you know didn't know before or didn't want to know. Who knows? But thanks a lot, Joe. We'll look forward to your interview. Uh, who you got next week? Any idea? Or are you still working on it? I have a, uh, well, actually, Darnell Coles will talk a little bit about spring training in the coming season. Very and nice. And last year, what went on. Very nice. Very nice. So we'll look forward to a Darnell Cole and your Rush Friday feature next Friday. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. Talk to you down the road. All right. This is the Morning Rush. Wrapping things up on the Morning Rush on this funky Friday morning. Before we get out of here. Let's check out the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about USC freshman Evan Mobley, the seven-footer, scored 13 of his 26 points after regulation as USC beat Utah 91-85 in double overtime in the Pac-12 quarterfinals. Mobley, who sat most of the first half in foul trouble, made five free throws in the first OT, and then scored eight points in the extra sesh to help the Trojans move on uh, to the semifinals. So Evan Mobley, the USC Frosh, our player who delivered, uh, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting this morning, uh, just not too long ago, the Patriots are close to bringing back Cam Newton, a a one-year, $14 million deal. Not official yet, but Schefter is rarely wrong on these things. So uh, look for the Pats to bring back Cam Newton for one more year, at least one more year. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Who am I to question Bill Belichick, but... Cam wasn't very good last year. Granted, didn't have a whole lot of weapons around him, but apparently the Patriots saw something they liked. So there you go. I, he just wasn't. He just wasn't good. Yeah, he had a bunch of rushing touchdowns, but my goodness, passing wise, he was not great. Of course, we have to see what the new, you know, what they do in the draft. Wide receiver, running back. I know uh, in free agency they can grab a couple of offensive tackles because the Chiefs, they they released both of their starting tackles. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Neither of whom, I don't know if that's right or not, played in the Super Bowl. 
Uh, Swartz was was hurt earlier in the year. Fisher got hurt in the AFC Championship game. But because of the low salary cap this year, teams are having, you know, the Saints cut uh, cornerback Janoris Jenkins yesterday. Teams are having to cut players loose that they normally wouldn't because they're trying to get under the cap. And the Chiefs cutting uh, Fisher and Schwartz will save $18 million against the cap. So if you are in need of an offensive tackle or two, there are two pretty good ones available. Paging the Steelers, paging the Pittsburgh Steelers. You might want to kick the tires on the two tackles just released by the Chiefs. They will definitely be uh, in high demand. Steelers don't sign free agents, so that's a pipe dream. I'm always just let it go now. Reminder coming up here in about six minutes. Uh, we here at Allegheny Radio, we are launching our brand new half-off deal at 9 o'clock. It's for Oscar's Restaurant on Old Town Road in Cumberland. Get yourself a $30 gift certificate for just 15 bucks. The deal launches top of the hour. I posted a link on our Facebook page. Go check it out at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All right, click on that link at 9 a.m. And believe me when I say these things go fast. So our new half-off bill today launching shortly, almost five minutes from now, for Oscar's Restaurant, Old Town Road, Cumberland. The link again on our Facebook page at uh, Cumberland's uh, ESPN Radio. Tonight, high school football, Mountain Ridge at Fort Hill. We'll have the game for you right here. Kickoff again, 5 o'clock, pregame around 445, uh, 4.50. Tomorrow on the station, we have some early college hoops for you. The American East Tournament Championship at 1045. And then tomorrow night, uh, we'll have Capitals Hockey Caps are in Philly taking on the Flyers. Uh, puck drops 7 o'clock pregame at 645. So a lot of stuff going on on the station here over the weekend. Then, of course, Sunday evening, we will have the Westwood One Selection Show at 6 o'clock where we find out where all of our teams, all the teams we love, all the teams we hate, all the teams by the way, we really can care about, <laughs> where they're going to be uh, in the field of 68. So tune in all weekend long for some great stuff right here on this very station. All right, we're done. Another show, boom, in the books. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you as always. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy all of the sports this weekend. Have fun. Be safe. And we'll see you back here Monday morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah. Sir!